Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ignatius Press Live. <clears throat> My name is Paul Sins. I work here at Ignatius Press. And uh, joining me today is Dr. Edward Sree, one of our esteemed authors. Um, you, you, uh, you probably know him from many of his books, his uh, video series, his work with the Augustine Institute as a professor and with many other video series. Um, um, Ascension, his All Things Catholic podcast. He's, he's a uh, has worked with, uh, uh, you know, on campuses all around. Uh, he's a busy man, <laughs> and uh, he does does a lot of great work for the for the church and for the salvation of souls. And we're really uh, really glad to have him with us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Good to be with you all. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Dr. Sri's book, uh, his, his uh, new book from Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute on the virtues called the Art of Living. Um, and before we jump into some questions about that in our conversation, let's go ahead and uh, open with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to discuss this new book and the way that we can lead virtuous lives. You give us, you give us your grace through the sacraments, and please allow your grace to work in us and for us to follow the examples of the saints, and especially our Lord, and how to lead lives of virtue, and help our conversation today to be fruitful. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, Dr. Street, thanks for being with us. Um, <clears throat> let's jump right into it. I always like, whenever I talk to an author about their book, the first question that always pops in my mind, and that I think you know, our, our viewers will be interested in as well, is how did the book come about? You know, you've written so many books before. How did this one come to be? What, where did the idea come from? How did it come to be? Yeah, I, I, it's a real personal journey. I tell the story of how the theme of the book really impacted my own life personally. Uh, so I was teaching at Bennington College. That's where I first started my career as a professor. And uh, they, they had me teach moral theology early on. And I, I spent a lot of time uh reading that summer before I was going to teach this class, reading through St. Thomas Aquinas's work on the virtues. And I had, I had read many sections of that before in my doctoral studies. So I was familiar with it, but it hit me in a new way. I was in a different state of life. You know, I wasn't the young single guy, you know, off in Rome doing my doctorate. I was married now. I had a child, another one coming on the way. Um, I was, you know, into my career now, doing all the work in focus had already launched, you know, a couple of years into it. And so I was just in a different state of life. And, and, and when I was reading Aquinas and the Virtues, it just hit me in a very profoundly personal way. It was like an examination of conscience uh, yes. because I began to see how <laughs> here's, here's the high standard of virtue and here's how I'm living it, but not just living it personally, but living it in my marriage. And I began to see how, you know, <laughs> when I fall short in virtue, how it affects you know, my, my wife and affects my, my children. Uh, and it, it really, I, of course, always wanted to be a virtuous man. <laughs> you know, I wanted to strive for it. I taught about it. Uh, but on a very personal level, I began to really see the connection between virtue and family life. And, you know, through conversations with many good 
of my good peers who had, you know, read Aquinas a lot. I had a lot of these conversations with them. And I think that's what really hit me the most was this idea of virtue giving us the freedom to love. And that, that's the subtitle of the book, The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love. Uh, because virtue isn't just about me. I think that's that's the, the I think the image I had in my mind, maybe as a kid growing up, I went to Catholic schools. I heard about virtue and growing in virtue. And yeah. but I think I had a more individualistic view of virtue. Like it was, you know, virtue is good for me and my own self-development so I can improve and be a better person, <laughs> you know, uh, and it was almost like a like a, a badge that you 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 earned to be a good boy scout for Jesus, you know, uh, like fortitude and fear of the Lord and piety. These are virtues I need to get, you know, get those badges. And and I began to see, no, virtue isn't about just me. It's about the people around me, you know, to live my relationship with God. I need virtue uh, to, to, to love him the way I want to love him, to, to love my wife. If I want to love my wife, I need virtue. Uh, I need a lot more than just good intentions and feelings. And, you know, if I lack virtue, it affects my wife, you know? So I make the point that to the extent that I lack generosity, I will do selfish things that hurt Beth to the extent I lack patience. I will lose my patience and do things that hurt my kids. (laughs) Uh, When I lack courage, uh, then uh, when difficult things happen here in the office, then uh, I could be overwhelmed by them. And just, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. This is going to be really hard to accomplish all these things on this tight deadline. You know, no, my team needs me to have courage to say, all right, guys, this is going to be really hard, but we can do it. I believe in you. Let's put our minds and figure out how we prioritize and get this stuff. They need me to be courageous. But if I'm overwhelmed and I'm always discouraged, it actually impacts my team. Uh, that's not, you know, so I begin to see virtue isn't just, my lack of virtue isn't just an Edwards three problem. It's yeah. a problem for my wife. It's a problem for my children. It's a problem for the, my colleagues, my friends, the people around me. Uh, and if I want to be the best man, the best husband, friend, boss, employee, citizen, child of God, I need to grow in virtue. Uh, and that's why I wanted to write the book. I've been teaching on it for years and people have been asking me for over a decade, can you write a book on this? Can you write a book on this? So I was grateful to, you know, COVID actually helped by being around home more and not having all my busy travel schedule, I was able to, to work on this book during uh, 2020. Yeah. Great. And so it sounds like <clears throat> cultivating the virtues is something, is something that it, it kind of gets at, you know, both tablets of the, of the 10 commandments, love of God and love of neighbor. But like you say, it's not, it's not, it's not some kind of a pop psychology, uh, self-improvement, eat, pray, love sort of thing. It's, this is about, how to live, how to live the moral life as a, as a, as a Christian, right? Yeah. In fact, I, I think the title of the book is also really helpful here to see, you know, I, I called it the art of living. I'm, I'm really drawing from something Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict once said, uh, Pope Benedict talked about how in the modern age, the problem isn't simply that we have lost, you know, our understanding of theology. We don't know our catechism. Well, we don't know the Bible. Well, that there is a crisis of faith. Don't get me wrong. And Pope Benedict wrote a lot about that too. But he says the problem is actually even deeper. It's not just that we don't know the Bible and the catechism. We don't even know how to live. We have lost the art of living. We, we don't know how to live friendship. Uh, people don't know how to live in community together well. And I hear this all the time from young people. How do you, how do you deal with conflict with your roommate? I don't know how to do this. You know, uh, we don't know how to live dating relationships. How many young people uh, you know, have, have just been told lies from our culture about sexuality and your emotions and romance and and it leads to, to 
to pathways to, to unhappiness, to brokenness, to feeling used. And, and so many young people are like, I, 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 want, I want guidance on how do you live genuine dating relationships well? How do you live marriage? I mean, we don't know how to live marriage well today. We don't know how to raise children in this secular age. So the problem isn't just a lack of faith. We don't know how to live. And Pope Benedict said, we have lost the art of living. And the good news is, the good news is that there is a great tradition for the art of living. It's a tradition that goes back many, many centuries, goes back all the way ultimately to Jesus. It goes back even before him to the Old Testament and to great thinkers like Aristotle and Plato and the ancient Greek world. Uh, It's known as the virtues. (laughs) The virtues were passed on from one generation to the next. That's what education ultimately was, was a formation of the virtues. But we as Catholics, we don't know the virtues. You know, I would argue probably 95% of Catholics couldn't name the four cardinal virtues. They're called cardinal because the word cardinal is from the Latin word meaning hinge. It's like the idea is that all these virtues connect together. And and, and I like to say, and our lives hinge on them. <laughs> like right. the success of my marriage and my family and a happy life depends on me owning these virtues. And 95% of Catholics couldn't even name the four cardinal virtues. And then I would say, even the ones that could name it, I bet 95% of them couldn't explain all of the sub-virtues you need to possess those four cardinal virtues. Like, in other words, what are the what are the what are the three key virtues I need to be a prudent man? Uh, what are the sub-virtues related to, to courage? Uh, and and what are the vices that tempt us and undermine our living of the virtuous life? This is a great tradition Aquinas wrote about centuries ago and had been passed on from generation to generation. You know, I, I'm I'm reading a Jane Austen novel right now, and you just can tell in the early 1800s. There was such an understanding of the virtuous life in her writings. And, and we have lost that today. The good news is we can recover it and we need to give people back the art of living. I know I need it for my own life. I know I want to give it to my children. Uh, there's listeners out there that may be thinking, I want my grandchildren to know the art of living. Um, that's why I wrote the book to take Aquinas's beautiful treatment, but make it really accessible. I fill it with lots of stories from family life, from workplace life, from parish life, the ordinary situations we find ourselves in, that's where our virtue is tested. That's where it's needed the most. That's where we grow in virtue. Um, So that's why I end up writing the book. That's great. And you mentioned growing in virtue. I think another thing that is sort of a misconception about about the virtues is that the cardinal virtues and the theological virtues, people think of them as something that you have or don't have, you know, like the theological virtues, I have faith or don't have faith. I have hope or don't have hope. I am, I have courage or don't have courage, but it's not, these are, these are not feelings. They're not attributes. There's, there's something that you, they're at acts of the will. There's something that can, you can cultivate that you can grow in. You know, there are things that you need to act on. Um, and is that, is that something that we, that we see in the, you know, the, in in the in scripture and in the history of the church and the in the examples of the saints, do we do we see that sort of uh, uh, growth in virtue and, and cultivating virtue in these in yeah. these uh, figures? Absolutely, yeah. The, the whole Christian life is about the imitation of Jesus Christ. So we're taking on his qualities, his virtues. <laughs> so uh, that that's really what this is all about. And and to your point, I think Paul, it's helpful to see it's not like all black and white. It's not like either I have courage or I don't have courage. We all probably have some level of courage and we all, you know, we, we all probably have areas where we can grow in virtue. We have 
areas where we, okay, look, I'm actually pretty good at this aspect of virtue, but I need to grow here. You know, so I think it is in degrees, but I think that's, that's what the Christian life is about. And this is what's really important is that to be a Catholic, to be a true disciple of Jesus, it's not enough just to believe the right things, say the right things, do the right things, you know, avoid sin. You know, that's all essential, of course, (laughs) but it's so much more than just avoiding doing bad things. It's about growing in the imitation of Christ, taking on his qualities, thinking like him, loving like him, serving like him, being patient like he was, forgiving like he did. You know, all those things, that's his virtues. And, and the, the the growth in holiness, that's what we're called to. And there's so many Catholics out there that just kind of settle for mediocrity. They're orthodox. And don't get me wrong, that's, that's absolutely essential to be orthodox. I believe the right things. And I go to church every Sunday and I volunteer every once in a while. But but Jesus wants so much more. He has so much bigger plans for your life. He wants your heart to be conformed to his. And are we pursuing virtue in our life? That's what, you know, that's that that's what we want to go for. So in the book, I have a whole chapter uh, on this question of how do we actually grow in virtue? <laughs> you know, it's one thing to have the nice ideal and, and want it, but, but there's three key things uh, that we need to grow in virtue. I don't know if you want to get into that now. I'd be happy to sure sure about that but uh because that, that's the big question people often ask i've been giving talks all around the country on on this topic since the book came out this summer and it's fascinating paul i've got to tell you out of all of the books i've written i've never seen the kind of response of like just at the book table so that people buy it and, and what's fascinating is women tend to buy books more than men you know, it's maybe like 75% of the book sales at a book table after an event are bought by women. I, I tend to observe that. And 25% of the guys, this is like 50-50. Hmm. And, and there's, I'm selling out of like 100, 150 copies. It, in a, it is amazing. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is it? So I'm asking people, and I'm particularly asking the guys, yeah. what is it that's like, why are you, what, what, what is it about the talk? What is it that, you know, why did you want the book? And what they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying, I want to be a better husband. And I, and, and I know I, there's, I'm not the dad I want to be. And I know it's virtue that I need to grow in so that I can love my wife and love my children better and lead them better in my family. And, I, and I, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful to know that that's what's resonating. But then, the, but then they're, they're, what their desire is, I want to grow in virtue. You know? So how do I do that? And the first thing that, and this isn't my idea that I'm just in this chapter I wrote on how to grow in virtue, it's taken right from the tradition, from the catechism. The first thing I have to do is educate myself. Mm. I got to learn about the virtues. If I don't know what to aim for in my marriage and in my family life and living a virtuous life day to day in my friends, my community, if I don't have, if I don't have a target to aim for, I'm going to miss it every time. (laughs) You know, in other words, if I don't know what the virtuous life is, I, I, I can't really grow with it. And I think that's was my experience, you know, 20 years ago of reading Aquinas again in my state of life as a young husband and father, that that's why it was like, I'm reading this going, oh, I didn't realize that was a vice. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't realize how much I do this <laughs> and how it affects my wife, you know, it, it, and it was because I was seeing the high standard of virtue. And it was, it, it was great because it gave me something, hey, I need to work on this. Cause I, cause I, 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 I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband, you know? So I think that's like filling your mind with an understanding of the virtues is the first thing. Uh, you're never going to grow in virtue if you don't even know what the standard of virtue is. Right. That's right. 
you mentioned that the the, the book is talking about the, the four cardinal virtues. Um, and I'm curious, I'm curious why why the book is focusing on the cardinal virtues and not the theological virtues. Oh, it's because I, I I hope maybe one day I'll write a book on the theological virtues down the road. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just starting, yeah, with the with the natural virtues first. Um, so what what's the difference between you know the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity? Those are what we receive at baptism. They're infused in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. They can only they're they're you know they're they're made they're revealed to us through divine revelation. Whereas these these virtues of prudence, the natural virtues, the cardinal virtues, prudence, fortitude, or courage, um, temperance, or maybe self control, as people call it loosely, uh, justice. These are the four cardinal virtues. Those yes are revealed in Scripture, but Aristotle, you know, wrote about them, and you know, Plato writes about them, Cicero writes about them. You know, so you don't have to have theology to to know them. You don't need. Uh, divine revelation or the infusion of the Holy Spirit to begin practicing them. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit will help you perfect them um, as you participate in the life of Christ, living them as Christ would. Uh, but but there are many great virtuous pagans, you know, that have, you know, uh, on the natural level, uh, these 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 virtues to to a great extent. Um, so it's a great starting point. Uh, but again, maybe maybe we'll be back on the show a decade from now if I'm able to write the. The book on the theological virtues. I, I want to spend more time studying and living them more first. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's why I started here. But I think these are the ones that are going to be more directly. I think you're. I think you're going to see the connection. Certainly, faith, hope, and charity you need for everything. Um, but there's so many. Like I, as I've taught this for so many years, I just meet many young people going, "Wow, this completely transformed the way I think about friendships and who are my real friends." Oh, I want to live friendship. And it's made me rethink how I, I, I view dating and I, how I approach dating relationships. So I think it's a, it's like a, immediately applicable, applicable for your human relationships. Um, how many parents have told me, oh, my goodness, I, this changes the way I want to parent my children. Um, it changes the relationships. I want to live more deeply with them, how I approach them, how I discipline them. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many parents it's just like. It's not about, uh, like, yeah, they also train their kids in the virtues, but it's more about their own role as mother or husband and how they're living it that they, they've told me, you know, and then their own married life as well. So, again, I think a book on faith, hope, and love will help that as well. But that's, those are, the faith, hope, and love charity are directed, you know, immediately to God. Um, so it's it's my faith in God. I believe in God. It's my hope in him and all of his promises and eternal life in him. And it's my, you know, it is my love of God himself, you know, and we need these other virtues help us with that too, of course. But yeah. Yeah. Great. So you mentioned that the, the impetus for the book was very personal. Uh, you, you kind of told the story about that, but I wonder in the course of actually writing the book, <clears throat> did it, did you, do you have a, a, a new or, reinvigorated approach to the virtues? I mean, did, did write, writing the book itself uh, affect how you approach the virtues? Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, as my wife can always tell when I'm either writing or teaching on the virtues, she goes, you, you do some of the virtues? Because she knows, I, I, she could tell my game, I, I've upped my game <laughs> a little bit. Because again, that's what you want to do. You fill your mind with the virtues. You know, if I fill my mind with everything on social media or shows on Netflix, that's where my my mind goes in leisure time. But if yeah. I'm filling my mind on a regular basis 
with thinking about the virtues, thinking about the saints, thinking about Jesus and the gospels, that's just going to help me be a better man, you know? Um, but I would say, you know, as I wrote it, you know, and again, I've been teaching on it. And I wrote many articles years ago on it. Uh, yeah, I, it was going back and spending more time in the virtues, reading Aquinas and different saints on it. You know, there were like fresh takes, you know, that certainly happened. Uh, you know, I'd say one big thing that I, just in my own, you know, partly my own understanding, but also seeing uh, at a deeper level, the implication of the role of the emotions in the virtues. That, that was that was something I wrote this book originally when I wanted to, you know, eight, 10 years ago. I don't think I would have maybe I, I would have had a couple paragraphs on this, but I devoted a whole chapter to uh, how what God wants to do is heal our emotions and our desires. And why am I highlighting that is because I think, you know, just seeing the trends in our culture this was there 10, 20 years ago, but it's it's much more pronounced now where so many, even devout Christians are living more at the level of their feelings because that's what the culture, you know, tells us. And I hear, you know, young, devout, committed Catholics that go to daily mass, they love Jesus, right? But I hear them always saying things, well, God put this on my heart and I just think Jesus wants me to do this. As if every feeling you have is, is from God, every desire you have is from God, <laughs> you know, but no, we're fallen human beings. And, uh, and I, I know I have desires that aren't good, <laughs> that need to be redirected toward what is truly good. Um, I have a lot, and my, and, the, and my emotions affect me in my pursuit of the good. Uh, and so that the idea that you can have emotions that are off, emotions that aren't healthy, emotions that are errant, that's not something people like to talk about in our world today. They like to, you know, because they, they so identify themselves with their feelings. Uh, but I think it's so freeing to know that God doesn't want me, maybe, maybe let me st state all this more positively. God doesn't just want me to do the right things. He wants me to want to do the right things. He doesn't want me just to like end up doing this thing that is virtuous over here. He wants my whole inner soul to be oriented toward that. So it's like when I asked my wife, you know, first to, you know, when I asked her on the first date, I didn't want her just to say yes. I wanted her to want to say yes, right? If she said yes, well, I asked her, do you want to go out for dinner? She says, well, I don't really want to, but it's Lent and I'm supposed to give something up. So yeah, I'll go out with you. Like That's a, that's not very inspiring, right? I want her heart. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to just do the right things in the end. He wants to heal. So those, those emotions that I have. So for example, if I have to have a difficult conversation with someone in the office, you know, they, they didn't complete the project on time or they didn't get it done well. But there's this emotion in me going, oh, I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want them to think I hate them. You know, you know, like those emotions that may keep me from calling them to a higher standard. Like those emotions aren't good. Like, like, like it's 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 keeping me from being a courageous man to love this person, to will what's best for them, to to seek the common good of the company. <laughs> you know, like like that that emotion. I like I I need that emotion to be healed. Uh, I need to be able to rise above it and not be a slave to that emotion. You know, I think if uh, if I have these desires, these lustful desires, God doesn't want me just to avoid committing adultery, adultery in my eyes or looking at pornography. God, God, God ultimately wants me to be interiorly free where I'm not always having to battle and bite. And, you know, and this, the battle for purity is always going to be there to some extent, but he wants to minimize it. You know, <laughs> um, so if I come home to my wife and say, hey, honey, there is this you know, a woman I met at the train station and she propositioned me and she was really good looking. And I was, you know, I was really thinking about it, man. I was so tempted. 
Um, and, and a part of me really, really just wanted to run off with her. But in the end, I knew that wasn't the right thing. And I'm a good Catholic husband. So I, I turned her down. How do you think my wife feels about that? <laughs> no, if a woman propositions me, I should just go, no, that's a temptation. Get behind me, Satan, and move on. You know, if I'm interiorly disposed to be thinking about wanting to do this with her, that, that's just, like, God doesn't want me to, to have that, that, you know, and so he wants to get to the roots of our sins. And so I would say that's kind of a, you know, I have a whole chapter on that idea of God wanting to get at the roots of our sins. And we're always, because we're fallen beings, we're always going to have struggle, but he wants to minimize that struggle. So we're not always having to just press the emergency brake and say no to that, you know, third drink or no to that lustful thought or no to losing my temper or no to, you know, I'd rather, I think God would rather have me be more interiorly disposed to have a balanced emotional life, what's going on inside of me. And that's the real healing that God wants to do through the grace of the Holy Spirit. And that's that's what the virtuous life is about. It's not about just the exterior actions. It's about what's happening inside of me. Do I let myself lose my temper? Do I let myself on the inside even you know, grow in discouragement, you know, and, and get down all the time? Like God, God doesn't want you to be discouraged. We're Christians. You know, as Augustine says, we're, we're an Easter people. Hallelujah. That's our song. Let's go for it. Right. You know, and we should go forward with confidence with the Lord. And and and, and he wants to heal us on the inside. So great. A new piece. Very great. <clears throat> There's another another thought that occurred to me that um, people might think about is as Catholics, when we hear the word virtue, one of the things that might pop into our brain is the the uh, that f- first step on the road of, to canonization, which is the declaration that someone lived a life of heroic virtue. Um, so I want wonder if you could give us some some thoughts on on uh, the we, we talk about the virtuous life. But then when we have the, the, the saints, these exemplars of, of, of how to live, and we recognize that they live lives of heroic virtues. So what, I mean, what, is, what does the church mean by that? Well, you know, I think, okay, look, we all need courage. You know, that's just for daily life. And I've used already some examples. Like I need courage in the office to address an employee, right? I need uh, courage, you know, when, when things are overwhelming at home and I'm raising a child and, 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 I, and I've got, you know, two kids under the age of four and I'm just tired and I can't sleep. It's actually, I need courage to help me persevere and continue to get the best of myself in those situations and not let myself be discouraged, disheartened. Um, Cause I have to get the best of myself to God and the people in my life right there. So like courage is something we all need. Uh, and then there's some people that, you know, maybe live heroic courage. Take St. John Paul II, you know, uh, what he did to stand up against the communists. I sometimes have to stand up against, you know, people that criticize the Catholic faith, but oh my goodness, he's risked, you know, being risked, risking his life, being thrown into prison and the courage it took him to stand up against the communist leaders and build that church and, and Nova Huta right outside of Krakow. I mean, it's just amazing. Right. So that you could say, okay, is that a, is that a higher level of courage? Then you got the martyrs, you know? Okay. Yeah, I might need courage to have this difficult conversation with this person here, but I'm not being asked to be crucified to a cross <laughs> like the early church martyrs were, uh, you know, so there's heroic levels of virtue. And, um, you know, so uh, although, you know, I would say the untold unknown saints, you know, we just had All Saints Day recently. And I think about, you know, what that say, that, that day reminds us isn't just the canonized saints. It's all the saints, the ordinary men and women, you know. 
that you know it, it, you, you know could we see like a, a a wife who has multiple kids and their husband left her or the husband died and suffered so much and raised children like i think there's some heroic stories that when we get to heaven we're going to look at that mom that gave her best to her kids uh and maybe put her right up on the same level as you know saint priscilla the martyr <laughs> you know right great so my last question for you would be what exactly do you hope that people will take away from this book you know what 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 is your goal for the reader yeah i, I hope that they learn the art of living you know i think that's a, there's a desire out there right uh, this is people want to live uh, young single people want to live friendship and dating relationship well this book is going to help them do that um uh parents people in 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 family life uh, husbands and wives they want to live their marriages better they want to live their their family life better they want to build a culture of virtue in their home so this is this is going to be so immediately applicable just to your day-to-day -day living so that's my hope is that it inspires them to to want to be the best that god has called them to be uh, which is in the virtuous life. Uh, the longer term consequences. So that's that's the more immediate thing. I, I I really hope that this is a book that I know is already being used, and I've already heard from some Catholic schools. Um, it's being used at even Protestant colleges. I've already heard are using this uh, to re, re to bring back the tradition of the virtues. So I hope that a higher level, Catholic schools, parishes, adult faith formation, youth groups, uh, will start you know, giving people something more grounded. You know, there's all these great talks about, oh, I love Jesus, go to pray and adoration, be holy. But there's not a lot out there in in, in the contemporary world on a, a treatment of the virtues that's accessible, easy for any, you know, junior high kid, high school kid could read this. Any ordinary lay parent could read this book. I've gotten, actually, I've already gotten letters from people saying, okay. thank you know, yeah, I've yeah. seen so many high level academic treatments of the virtues, but I haven't seen one that's so accessible, that takes the riches of the tradition, but makes it as accessible. So I really hope that it becomes institutionalized. And, and if there's another book people want to use, I don't care. They don't use my book. They can use Joseph Pieper from the 50s and 60s. They could use yeah. um, Donald Marco. Ignatius Press has wonderful books on the virtue. But I think what I'm doing is trying to systematically present it and with real concrete examples for life. Um, I just want the virtues to be taught again uh, in a clear, systematic way. That last thing I'll say is there's lots of things out there where people say, here's seven virtues you need to be a highly effective parent, you know, or here's five virtues you need to have a great marriage. And those are fine, but they're just like one-off things. That it's just like the author's just kind of collecting, well, here's, here's these are the virtues that I've read about, you know. There's nothing that's kind of putting together that I'm aware of that in, uh, that's out there on a popular level, really taking Aquinas's you know, comprehensive vision, yeah. you know, and how they're all connected and all the weaknesses we have to be aware of. And in, in, as we're approaching virtue, that's the, I think the, the unique contribution. And that's what I hope I see, you know, will be institutionalized more in the church. Great. I hope so too. So again, thank you, Dr. Stream, for your time. Um, for all those watching, uh, you can get the book, it's the, the art of living the cardinal virtues and the freedom to love Dr. Edwards three. You can get it from, uh, at Ignatius.com, or as always, you know, go and support your local Catholic bookstore. And uh, again, Dr. Street, thank you for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. 
You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.